All right. I hope everybody's having a good day. Um, just got in from a little dog training. Uh, worked with Teddy, Timber, and Ann this morning. Uh, worked with Teddy on some backing drills and, and steadiness work. Uh, worked Timber on some positive pigeons uh, to get her bird intro continued going. And then worked on Ann with some backing work with her as well and steadiness again. I really like the way our string's starting to shape up for the upcoming fall and test fall test season and the hunting season that we've got upcoming here in 2022. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know this is the first episode of the Chasing Covey's podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Pravat. First episode is going to be a little bit of how we got started into our journey into the upland world, uh, a little bit of who we are as individuals. And then also it'll go into a little depth of where we want this thing to go as a team. I hope you all enjoy the episode. Please let us know what you think about it. Um, any questions, comments, concerns, anything, we're willing to uh, listen to anything. Uh, we're just trying to get this thing up and going. We've got some good upcoming guests on the podcast. Episode two is going to feature Darrell Smith of the Sporting Life Notebook. If you guys have anything, though, that you want to add or do you like to see us, doing the podcast uh you can reach us at uh chasing coveys on instagram or on facebook feel free to shoot us a message like i said we look forward to sharing a field with you guys or training with you or meeting you or talk to you um via social media here in the near future y'all stay safe and we hope to hear from everybody again soon and like i said i hope you enjoy the episode a little bit about who we are um until then y'all y'all just keep chasing coveys We are Chasing Coveys Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Chasing Coveys. We're based out of Central North Carolina. We've gone to, we went to Michigan. That was kind of our first dive in off the deep end. And then this past year, we went to South Dakota. So we've hunted grouse, we've hunted woodcock, we've hunted pheasant, we've hunted shark tails, we've hunted bobwhite quail, woodcock here in North Carolina. Our big thing is wild birds and wild places. Jordan, give us a little bit about your history, where you're from, what uh, what got you into hunting, and then what got you into bird dogs. Uh, well, 23 years old, um, from Sanford, North Carolina, small little town towards the east coast. Um, never really got into the bird dog thing until what was it, 2020, 2019, something that range. 20, 2020. Yeah. yeah, always bow hunted. Uh, deer hunted goose every once in a while uh, but nothing into the bird dog world um, until pretty much you started at work and then we went on that preserve hunt yep. and then from there on it was pretty much the addiction that started there um, currently for me we have well, we have a bunch of dogs between the two of us but for me I have onyx uh, which is my year-and-a-half-old short hair. Um, then I have Howard, which is... Lord, he's almost two now. Or he might be over two. Yeah, I think he just turned I think two. he just turned over. Um, Gordon Setter, spring set Gordon Setter. Um, and then we have Ash, who is 
almost 16 weeks because she gets her shots next week so she'll be 16 weeks um that's all that I have for now. She is a, she is a German short hair as well. Yeah. Female German short hair pointer. From uh, Broomstraw Kennels. Yeah, yeah Broomstraw Kennels and uh, Steady Points Kennels out of Wyoming and South Carolina. Um, we'll get into why why you went with the short hairs and the Gordon Setter here, here in a minute. But um, my name's Hunter Pravat. Um, I'm 29 years old. We're from both from Sanford, North Carolina. Here, a uh, little small town right in the central part of North Carolina. Uh, grew up hunting, fishing. Um, I can remember some of my earliest memories are hunting with dad and grandpa out running deer dogs and uh, deer hunting and and all over the central part of North Carolina. Um, kind of got into duck hunting and stuff in college and then moved on uh, with work once I graduated college kind of an area that I didn't didn't really get to do any hunting uh, and then moved in moved back here once I got uh, engaged and then obviously married my wife and moved back here to Sanford um, then kind of was one of those people once we got married uh, kind of moved moved into our house wanted we both wanted a dog and I told her well, I was going to get a, a GSP because that's what I always wanted. So at first I was your typical GSP owner. I got it, got Teddy. Um, he's now just turned three years old this past September. Um, got him for the first year and a half. I had him, didn't do anything with him. Um, still was not a, was not a bird hunter. Um, was just a GSP owner that had a crazy dog that tried to destroy the entire house. <laughs> Um, finally one day I realized, you know, this is, I'm either going to have to start doing what this dog was made to do, or I'm going to have to get rid of him. That was he, cause he was to the point where I could come home and throw the ball and play in the yard for five or six hours. And it seemed like the energy never, never stopped. Um, so then I started working birds, um, started finding some local trainers, talked to some NAVDA people. Um, got in touch with Grayson Geyer, who's out of Lost Highway Kennels up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and kind of he got me started down the right road with Teddy, and since then it's only gotten worse. Uh, we now hold a, we have a kennel between the two of us that'll, once it's completely done, whichever route we decide, it'll either hold six dogs or it'll hold 12 dogs, and uh, I currently... I own four on my own, and then me and Jordan both have the. I have Ash that we we co-own. Um, I have Teddy, who is a three or three and a half year old white liver and or white and liver uh, male short hair. Uh, Timber, who is a seven month old liver rome short hair. Um, I have Ann, who is a pointer, not English pointer, a pointer. And she is out of uh, some George dogs from South Georgia. Um, got her from a good buddy, Darrell Smith, the Gun Dog Notebook podcast. Who um, hopefully will be on this a little bit later on. But uh, got him or got her from him um, back in September, I believe. Uh, Hunter with her all season, and then uh, I have Queso, who is my. 14 month old male pointer um he is out of lester snow watch uh, national champion dog that some of you guys may know 
but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got my start. It just kind of continued to go from there. Um, just one of those things that just, I guess it's kind of like everything I've done in my life. Once I started, it continues to get deeper and deeper and now it's all I do. Um, my eventual goals um, for the podcast is to kind of give light on the Southeast quail hunting situation. Um, you know, to my knowledge, Durrell is the only one that's based out of the Southeast that is a big time quail hunter. Um, you know, that's to me, that bird, um, reading everything you see online and, and listening to all the old timers talk about, you know, there aren't any quail here in North Carolina. You know, there's, if you find one, don't shoot it. Cause it's, there's probably not many of them left. Well, that's true in some parts of the state. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, North Carolina does not do a very good job of managing for quail habitat. I think that they've started to try to turn that corner with, with the way some things are working. Um, but I think that, you know, there are quail here in North Carolina. Um, are, is it going to be a day where you're in Kansas and you find 10 to 15 coveys or South Texas or wherever, or even South Georgia on a plantation? No, you're not going to find that here in North Carolina. But, there are days find. where you can go out and find three or four coveys in, oh, yeah. in North Carolina. Um, you know, last, but I guess not to get too far off topic, but I mean, our goal is to enlighten. We'll bring some people on from hopefully all over the country, get their perspective. Um, but it's just to kind of follow our journey. Um, if nobody listens to it and nobody listens to it, but it will be something that we can have to uh, kind of show our journey, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, um, you know, Cause at some point, you know, we've, we have taken in a, a training dog here or there. Um, and hopefully we will continue to do that. You know, we do all of our training now, not to say that we won't use other people in some instances. Um, you know, I've got a dog that's lined up to go out West, um, this summer to spend two months with, uh, Paul Cook at Alder Fork English Setters. Um, because we can't run on wild birds here in North Carolina until from April 15th to I think it's August 15th um, for nesting season, which is good. I mean, you know, we need to give the birds their time and their space, but it's also 9 million degrees here from about April to into September. So it's hard to train bird dogs here. Um, They got to have pigeons and things of that nature, but we can get into that later on. But, you know, our our biggest thing, I think, with the podcast for me is to kind of show our journey. It's something for us, you know, if, if people listen to it, great. You know, I hope there's something we can help people get into it. Um, I would love to be able to, you know, this past year, and this will be a, hopefully a future episode. We, we met a guy on Instagram, turned out to become a really good friend. Um, God, funny part, the guy had been to Kansas quail hunting, found over 20 coveys in this week of hunting in Kansas and never harvested a wild bird or a wild bob. We brought him here to North Carolina, or he came down to North Carolina because he's got some friends that live in Winston-Salem. Went woodcock hunting one day, and then they came down, and or he came down and went quail hunting with us. Uh, and, you know, we, we put him on a wild bird. We got him his mm-hmm. first wild first wild quail. Wild quail. Um, and that right there to me was, I don't know, that was worth more than anything we did this year. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I think we grew a lot this year as a team and the dogs, we've learned a lot. Um, 
obviously that will be a never ending process. You know, I don't think, I think any, anybody you talk to, it doesn't matter who they are, whether it's people at, you know, kennels like Standing Stone that are, you know, renowned as some of the best trainers in the world. Mm-hmm. I think they would tell you that, you know, the process never stops. It's always going to be learning something. I mean, we can learn stuff from a guy who has one dog that trained is just getting his first puppy to how he does something to a guy like Darrell or whoever that we may come in contact with. But I think that's the biggest thing is just to keep learning. I want to get people involved in this sport. I'm more than happy to help anybody, however we can help them and just to continue to, to grow our brand. And, you know, hopefully there's some guided hunts we do this fall or something we've kind of pushed around and talked about. And, uh, but yeah, I guess that's kind of where a long, long answer, but that's where I'd like to see us go as not only a podcast, but as a brand in the whole. Uh, Jordan, what are you, what are your thoughts as far as like, what, what do you want this podcast to be about? You know, as we kind of introduce ourselves to the world and hopefully grow as a podcast, you know, what, where do you see, or where would you like this to see? I think it's important to get back to where, and not that I was alive in the seventies and eighties, but how quail hunting used to be. You know, like I said, the old, the older guys that have been doing it for years, they always talk about the used to be. Yeah, you, you know, it out, used to be good. It you used walk to out be back and find a couple of birds every day. Yeah, and I think the big thing from that is the the conservation efforts have declined. I mean, habitat has declined. You look around here, and there's housing developments going up everywhere. I mean, if, if the podcast is a way that we can bring awareness to you know, quail habitat, whether it's thinning out pines or prescribed burning or food plots. I mean, you in one of the areas that we hunt, they say that there's food plots, but there's it's overgrown fields. I mean, you might find one or two millet fields, but there's nothing that's directly used to help quail. Everything's always for deer. Um, so I think that would be one of one of my main goals with it is how can we how can your kids have a chance to go quail hunt in North Carolina? As of right now, our kids, I don't know if they have a, a really good look at what quail hunting could be to stem off of that. I mean, how do you... Well, to, before you go into your next point, I think I think North Carolina and the Southeast, you know, especially like I hunted Georgia this year with Darrell. Um, and... That's probably you know, totally different than it is here. You know, Georgia is making strides. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, I've not hunted South Carolina yet. Hopefully I will get to this year. Um, South Carolina's doing a lot for the Bob White. Um, I think North Carolina's starting to. Um, you know, there's some areas that wildlife dedicates for, for quail only. Um, you know, and they're trying to bring, you know, there's an area that we hunt that they, they do a job. heck of a job yeah. for bob white quail and small game and woodcock and you know rabbits and everything else i mean it's not just and conservation for for bob white quail not only benefits bob white quail and other birds and and insects and pollinators and all that stuff but you know it helps everything it helps the entire ecosystem you know if you looked in north carolina's in the mountains of north carolina do you want to see the worst model of forest management that's there it is there it is i mean (laughs) yeah i can't tell you when the last time they cut a tree in some parts of the western state or the western part of our state Um, 
you know, you go up there and every tree up there is 50, 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so few little cuts and stuff, you know, and you, you know, hopefully we can get some people on here at some point that are NC biologists or Quell Forever or whoever the case may be to talk more about that. I mean, obviously they're a lot smarter at that than we are, but, you know, I think conservation is going to be key for us. And just trying to continue to get people involved because you can't have conservation if you don't have people. Have people, yeah. You know, we've this journey for us. You know, we've met some good people. You know, there's been a lot of people that basically have told us there's no point in us going quail hunting. Yeah. You know, there's no point in you going grouse wasting hunting. Wasting your time. Yeah. There's here. no point in going <laughs> grouse hunting in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Now, is it? Is it? It's like I said, hard. it's not like. Uh, Minnesota for grouse obviously it's not like a Kansas for quail it's not you know it's not like a Michigan for woodcock um, you know it's it's North Carolina it's the southeast it's hard hunting um, you've got to be willing to put your time in and there's a learning curve and I think we've we've hopefully we've started to to crest that mound and kind of get to oh, the yeah. point where we've started to understand it um, you know to keep going on with the, you know, a little bit more about us and who we are. Um, last year we hunted was our first year of any kind of upland hunting. And I say last year, that would be the, the season of 2020 that went into 2021. Mm-hmm. So then the fall of 2020 that went into 2021. Um, basically the way we started was, you know, once I got Teddy and I started working him on birds and got to see that first point on a pigeon first point on a quail and so forth you know i was just like any other person you know once that happened that's all i needed to see um so you know i started telling jordan about it and then i took him on a preserve hunt with a dog that had no we had no business hunting over that dog Uh, but you know that's that's the way we learned you know and that's you know i didn't have anybody or we didn't have anybody to say hey do this do it this way do it that way so you know if that means so-and-so reaches out on Instagram or Facebook or via the podcast. I mean, I'm happy to give out an email address or anything like whatever you may need to reach out be happy to reach out. And I'd be happy to train with you to work your dog with you, uh, take you hunting, do whatever. But you know, cause we didn't have that. We, we really we didn't. didn't. We, we tried. I mean, I tried to reach out to multiple people, you know, I mean, obviously I, re- I could reach out to a guide, and he could take right. us hunting, but how much am I really going to learn? I mean, not saying you can't learn from a guy, because obviously you can, but their job is to find you a bird and have you harvest a bird. Hmm. You know, they're not. their job is not to take you everywhere, take you all their secret spots, and then right. tell you why they found birds in the secret spot. Now, you, there are some guides that will do that, and will go that extra mile, but we couldn't find it. And again, I'm not saying that there's no good people out there in North Carolina. There is. You just have to, to find them. We've started to find some of those people. But at the beginning, that's the way it was for us. Um, so all that to basically say, you know, we got to talking in the summer of 2020, you know, while COVID's going on and everything. You know, we got all these crazy things going on with work and things like that. And, you know, we can't do this and we can't do that. Well, there's one thing we can do. We can get out in the woods. We can go. We can go walk. We can go walk out in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have to worry about coming in contact with somebody who was sick or somebody we could get sick or whatever the case may be. So we 
I looked on, we, you know, we researched for a month or two, found some spots that we thought might produce something. And I mean, we didn't know what we were looking for. We didn't, mm -hmm. you know, we researched grouse habitat and woodcock habitat, but we didn't know anything when it came to, you know, what even a grouse looked like other than a picture <laughs> or what a woodcock looked like or why a woodcock would be in this habitat or why a grouse would be in this habitat. So we drove up there. We drove up there on a Thursday night after work. Mm -hmm. I think it was a Thursday night. Yeah. Pretty sure it was Thursday night. Drove up there on a Thursday night after work, uh, 14 hours in the vehicle straight through the night. Um, and this was to Augur, Michigan. Uh, kind of northwest yeah. of Saginaw Bay. Not uh, not, the hot spot. Yeah, not the hot spot. Yeah, not the hot spot. You know, people might get mad at us. Yeah. Tell, tell we can't us exactly tell you where that is. We'll just tell you roughly where we, we went. went. <laughs> yeah, we went to Central Michigan. You know, um, we didn't go all the way to the UP or anything, but that's later on. We can talk more about that. But um, you know, we we dove in, um, went picked a spot on a map, public land, all DIY, do it yourself. We had a cabin we were staying in. That's the only thing we knew. We knew we had a place to sleep at the end of the night. Yeah. That was the only thing that we knew. Um, had one dog in the truck. One dog. I mean. That was all we had. We had Teddy. He was a, been on birds for about six months. Uh, took him out. Within the first 20 minutes, we had put up, I don't even know how many grouse. Birds were flying everywhere. i Roughly say anywhere from five to ten grouse. Say probably six or seven that I know that I saw. I mean, birds were flying everywhere. My dog's not trained well <laughs> enough. He's running through. I mean, every it seemed like every corner we run around or every tree we went to, bird, 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 bird. <laughs> Teddy's didn't running. Shoot one up. <laughs> no, we didn't shoot at anything. I mean, we run around and then, you know, it it took us a couple of days and just like anything, you know, we didn't. I think we harvested one woodcock that afternoon. Mm -hmm. I think you killed, you harvested your first. Back. Yeah, you yeah. first. Yeah, we had an adventure. I lost dog for probably 20 or 30 minutes. It seemed like two days. <laughs> but uh, lost. It was lost a great Teddy. way to start off. <laughs> lost Teddy. And uh, once we got him back, we uh, wasn't probably five minutes after we got him back, we harvested our first woodcock. Uh, he went in, busted the bird. And obviously, knowing now what we. Well, we didn't know then, uh, you know, we probably shouldn't have shot that bird, but, uh, you know, we were young and blood was flowing. Full, everything was happening and we were full of adrenaline and, you know, we, shot, we, we harvested a woodcock and the next day really kicked our butts. I mean, there's no denying yeah. that. I think the next day we didn't put up another bird. And if we did, it was a bird we stepped on or, or he ran through or, and stuff like that. Um, didn't put up another grouse that, that next day. And then the next day it started, it was like a light bulb. And this is where, to me, this is where my passion started for Teddy seeing what he can become. And then also just for Bob White, or for just upland hunting in general. Um, you know, Teddy, second day I, I got, or I guess it would be our third day third. there. We, uh, second afternoon though, I got done on Instagram and started find, trying to find people that were in a few hours of their, uh, you know, trying to ask who, you know, what am I need to look for? What am I doing wrong? That type of thing. And I got up with uh, a guy, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I got up with a guy who was local to that area. And he sent me a couple pins. And the next morning we went out to that spot. And I think, 
I think we put up 10 grouse in the, or not 10 grouse, sorry, 10 woodcock in the first hour. And I shot my first limit of woodcock in, mm-hmm. you know, by lunchtime, I had a limit of woodcock. Um, and I'll never forget it. The, the one thing that stands out to me in this whole journey is, again, Teddy bump bird, bump birds, bump birds, bump birds, bump birds. Then it switched. And then all of a sudden he come flying by me at what seemed like a hundred mile an hour. And he got about 20 yards in front of me and I thought he was going to do a cartwheel. He slammed on the brake so hard and it locked up on, to me, what will be one of the most beautiful points I will ever see in my life because it's something I'll never forget. And uh, he stayed there. Again, this dog had very little training. He stayed there until I got there. I mean, he was only 20 yards in front of me, so it wasn't, you know, like he pointed a bird at 200 yards. But he pointed that bird. I got up to him. A woodcock jumped up, and I shot that bird to kill my first. That was my first ever woodcock I killed. And from that point on, it was it was like a light bulb went off for him and a light bulb went off for us, um, and we were hooked. Um, I guess we kind of to go back or to continue that story, I guess we, you know, we hunted for another day and a half or two and um, the weather kind of got crappy on us. We ended up leaving, I think a day early, but um, you know, we harvested a few woodcock. We never got a grouse. Um, We learned why they call them the king, you know, why they're so difficult to chase and things. But uh, came back from Michigan. That was in early October, waited around here till November when quail season started and, it didn't North- too hot that first time. No. That was quail. Well, I don't know. You know, I thought quail hunting was going to be easy after my first <laughs> quail hunting experience, you know. You know, we had, again, so we come back to North Carolina, had never been quail hunting. Um, Jordan had to work that day. It was on a, I want to say it was on a it's Wednesday. Wednesday. It was like a Wednesday yeah. after the after the season opened on a Saturday. I went down, and you got to realize, the first month of quail season, there are deer hunters everywhere. There are deer hunters with dogs everywhere. And I, you know, I, at one point in my life, I was one of those people. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just, you know, it's public land. There's not going to be that many people out there. I remember I picked some spots on Onyx. Me and Jordan had talked about some spots, what to look for for quail. Again, we had never been at quail hunting at all. Never even seen a wild quail. So we go, I go down that morning. I'm all excited, ready to go. Teddy's in the back. Go down. And the first probably six or eight spots that I had picked on Onyx, there were deer hunters lined the roads. And when I mean deer hunters lined the roads, I mean there were people. Every 50 yards, there was a truck with a dog box on it. Got disappointed. Got back on Onyx. Picked a spot 30 minutes from there. Drove to us about as far north and east of this piece of property that I could hunt that I thought, you know, maybe there's going to be quail there. I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. So I go to this spot, go into, I unload Teddy, finally get to the spot. There's nobody around me. I'm happy. I'm just going to go run my, my bird dog. I go in, drop the tailgate, load them up, collar them up, everything. Cross the little road, walk 50 yards, and look up, and Teddy's locked up on point. And I mean, just as solid as he could get. And again, that's another one that I'll never forget it. You know, I looked at him. Cause once he, once he got lost in Michigan, he got to where he would check in with me all the time mm-hmm. and he, or he would even at some point he would get out so far, he'd stop, turn around. If I was walking to him, he might stop and stand there and wait for me to get to him. Well, that's what I thought he was doing. I'm like, I hadn't been out of the truck a minute and I'm yelling at him. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 
and he's just he's not even looking at me. I'm like, what is this dog doing? Like, you know, <laughs> what is this dog doing? Why is he standing there like that? It never once across my mind he's on point. He's found a covey of quail. So I get up there, and I, I don't even have my – I've got one glove on, one glove off. I'm posting stuff on Instagram. Uh, just put my phone up as I get, like, within five yards of them. I get up there to them, and, again, I give them, come on, let's go, let's go, hunt up. Doesn't move. And about that time, I take a step, and a covey rise happens right in front of me. There's 15 birds in the covey or so, 12 to 15 birds, and – I mean, at first, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was coming up out of the ground, you know. So I, I threw my gun up, took a couple of Hail Mary shots, and uh, actually ended up harvesting my first wild quail here in North Carolina. So my first experience of quail hunting was uh, after Not that. I, yeah, after that, I was like, man, this is going to be easy. I don't know why all these people are complaining about it. There's birds everywhere. Yeah, and then it goes downhill from there. So after that, Jordan, how the rest of our season go? It was not very good. Yeah. We probably found what? We found one more covey. Another covey after that? One more covey. We had one covey wild flush and on end us of about January. The, yeah, probably the middle to the end of January. Which, uh, for all you listening, you know, our quail season starts the Saturday before Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and runs through the last Saturday, of, or no, last day of February. Sorry. So um, a month and a half it took us to find another bird. And it wasn't like we weren't hunting. I mean, I mean, we were putting every day that me and Jordan were off, whether we were off together, um, Jordan didn't have a dog at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he picked up Onyx later on, about probably not long after I actually found that first covey, probably a couple of weeks after. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, an eight week old puppy, you're not yeah. taking him out. Um, so we had one bird dog for our first season, um, and we hunted him hard. You know, we, we got into Woodcock a little bit here in North Carolina. I actually did really Fairly well the well. last, last yeah. three weeks of. Uh, Woodcock um, did fairly well um, once we kind of found some guys who would show us things and take us places and uh, did pretty well I think the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. of, of Woodcock season but yeah I mean that was that's our first that was our first recap I guess of the season for 2020 to 2021 and that that was kind of when everything started you know mm-hmm. um, once I, once we got done with hunting season you know Obviously, he had a puppy at that time, um, and then I had a uh, I had Teddy who had, had a hunt season on him. He was two years old, so then you know we started getting into AKC testing with Teddy and uh, started doing some junior tests, which he's now a junior hunter. Um, you know, so then we fast forward, I guess, into the summer of twenty one and, and spring and summer and fall of twenty one. We, uh, you know, that's when we started to get dogs. Um, we started putting time behind them. We started getting, yeah, I mean, we, we joined a, a pointing breeds club where we can train at uh, with pigeons and quail and everything you could ever need to train dogs. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll let you start, uh, kind of give us a rundown of what the 2021-2022 season started like. And, uh, and we can talk about North Carolina, but we'll talk about our, you know, our trip to South Dakota, I guess, first. Talk about Onyx a little bit. Um, so going into the spring, didn't really put much time behind him. Like he was still really young. Um, so I didn't really work him very hard, you know, simple stuff, the clicker training stuff inside. That's all good and well. Um, but I would say really probably July, like the end of July, start of August is where I really started working him harder. 
there's um, nine million degrees. Yeah, outside. when you have about forty five minutes to train and that's about it. Um started working him harder because I knew for me that I wanted to go um to Wisconsin. Um I wanted to chase grouse and woodcock again. Um so I made a trip up there. Um Yeah, we can talk, you know, Jordan I'll let him speak for himself, but my bird is the quail. Yeah. Um that's that bird has been ever since I saw that first cover your eyes, it's it's been my passion. Um, you know, my whole goal for that first season was to try to get him to see it. Um, he got to see one from a distance, so I don't really even count it. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Jordan, I think I can attest to it. But I think your your passion is with grouse and woodcock, grouse and woodcock. even though we don't have a ton of grouse here. But you know. I think you fell in love with that that Michigan trip. Yeah, the Michigan trip really done it. Um, but not only that, even back at here at North Carolina, uh, watching Teddy hunt woodcock and how they hold and how they honor the dog, just it changed for me, um, if you will. Not to say that I don't enjoy quail hunting. I love quail hunting. Uh, now that I've actually seen wild covey rises, but for whatever reason, the grouse and woodcock just, they called me. Um, and that's what I wanted Onyx for was really the grouse and woodcock. So I knew that I knew I had to start working him kind of into June, started July, somewhere in that range, uh, probably started a little bit later because he wasn't developing as quickly as I was hoping. Um, but it was fine. He, he did fine. So we went, at this point, we started building kennel. Yeah, we started probably the, what started May the kennel in June, I believe. June, somewhere. Yeah, because yeah, it was after turkey season. So we bought a bought a building um, and turned it to an indoor outdoor kennel. Um, like I said, if anybody had any questions or anything like that, I mean, we can give them information. But um, what to do, what not to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we bought a bought a building, turned it into yep. an indoor outdoor kennel. Because we knew that if we wanted to do this, watching, you know, obviously he had Onyx and I had Teddy for the first season, but we, I could see the toll that it took on Teddy for me to hunt him every day, mm-hmm. all day long. Not saying the dog can't do it because there's plenty of dogs that, that do it, but for us to cover ground efficiently and be the best hunters and be able to explore as many spots as we could, we knew that we needed, we needed to, more dogs. We needed dogs. You, know, yeah. you needed dog power. We had to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once we went into that, we got, um, obviously, like I said, in September, I got Ann. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Queso sometime mid-summer. I don't really remember exactly when, but I got Queso, who obviously is a puppy at this point. Um, got Howard. You got Howard in the summertime, summer. yep. who's the Gordon Setter. Yeah, so then we moved into, um, I guess, your Wisconsin trip. So give us a little... Yeah. Give us a little recap, you know, what, so we, what, what did you like with, you know, with, I guess, Wisconsin versus Michigan? What did you like? What did you find similar? You know, would you go back? Um, you know, just break down all that for us. And, but it was, it was really interesting. The, the covers were so similar between Wisconsin and this was like middle yeah. October. Yeah. And you're talking central, central to just north of central Wisconsin? Uh, well, almost in Minnesota. Okay, so you're talking north, yeah. northern Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean like north, cent- north central Wisconsin, somewhere in that range. I'm not going to give specifics. Um, 
but the it was the, the cover was so similar but different at the same time. Yeah, this I know, is where you know as we continue to grow, we'll we'll understand why that cover is like that. But. Right, and at the time I had no real clue. I have Onyx. Um, the map system. The, yeah, the mapping the system. <laughs> well, I got both, but the the mapping system helped a lot. But I didn't know how to really break it down. I knew generally what to look for, you know, your clear cuts or, or whatever the case is, but I didn't know how old to look at, whether it's two years or 15 years or 18. Or, I didn't know. So I pretty much picked the area in Wisconsin I want to go to and just drove up there. Um, I literally slept in my truck uh, with my girlfriend. We went up there. Um, she took a bunch of pictures and she would hunt too. Um, but... We but had no the, clue. You, what you we went were doing. with the old adage: boots on the ground is yeah, your best just scouting. Pick a spot and just go run it. Same attitude we have here. Yeah. Pick a spot and run. So that's kind of how I how I started with Onyx. Um, we got up there first day. Didn't really see anything. We were still tired from the drive. Um, but actually driving to one spot that I had picked out. We watched a grouse come out of the ditch and walk across the road in front of me. It took all that I had not to get out of that truck and shoot that grouse like a turkey. Yeah, but But you knew. But the reason you didn't is because you you knew the reason you were there is for that dog. Right. That little black short hair and that Gordon Setter in the back of your truck. Yeah. There's no no point in you doing that. Mm -mm. It didn't gain you anything. It didn't gain the dog anything. It didn't. You know. We want to be dogmen, you know, right. as, as my buddy Darrell says, and you know, why wouldn't you want to be a dogman? You know, right. it's an, it's an art form. It's something that I think the passion runs deep for both of us. And I mean, personally, I've gotten to the point now, especially that now that we've done a little bit of, I'm not going to say we've done guiding, but we've done a little bit of it, taking people hunting and things of that mm-hmm. nature. I don't even care. Like I, I, you give me a blank gun that I can at least reward the dog with the shot. And I think that's I run, what it, run a bird. Yeah. Like I want to see that dog find that yeah. that covey of quail or that woodcock or that grouse in your case or that pheasant or whatever it is. Like we're here for the dogs. Like, yeah. At that point right there, that's where it it kind of changed or swapped for me. Where. Yeah, because you you now had your the first year bird before. Dog. Yeah. I would have shot that grouse. Yeah. You didn't have a bird dog. Right. But then I had my dog and I realized that it's not about me. It's not about shooting or harvesting anything. I don't care if I shoot a bird anymore. It's about the dog. And it's about watching them work and watching them learn. Because that moment, it might have been that same day where I actually did harvest that first grouse. But watching him, I remember dropping him. We were in between two clear cuts. And it was an old logging road that split the two. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. There was a, I think it was, it was hazel brush or it was some sort of bush. And I remember watching Onyx run down this logging road. And he rounded a little jack pine tree. And when he rounded that jack pine, he just, just slammed on point. And I was like, what's he doing? And about that time, I've never seen a double hop up. Because at this point... To give a little backstory, at this point, Onyx was pointing and holding pigeons. And that's about it. <laughs> and pointing and holding quail. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's, like, what, 
10 he months was old? A, right at 11 months old, almost 11 so months. So he's, and again, we can't run, we, our season hadn't opened here in North Carolina. So this dog's never seen a wild bird. Mm-hmm. Never. This dog has never seen a grouse. He's never seen a woodcock. Never smelled either one of the two. Has never no seen clue. A, oh, quail. Well, he's seen their quail, but it was a pen Yeah, pen raised birds, but nothing wild. And he, when he rounded that jack pine and he just froze. And about this time, I, I walked in kind of behind that hazel brush and a double jumped up. And I, it, like, it's like it went in slow motion. There was a cinnamon phase that I had actually harvested. And then there was a gray phase. And it looked like when they jumped up, their wingspan was about 27 feet wide. And it sounded like a helicopter taking off. Ended up harvesting that bird and Onyx ran over to it. Started sniffing it, picked it up, started running in circles. I mean, he was as happy as could be. And right there, it was like, it doesn't matter this about me it. shooting it. Yeah. That dog, yeah, yeah. I mean, he went crazy. You want to be able to shoot it, shoot a bird here and there and give your dog But it's that not reward. the limits. But it's not, yeah, it's not about the tailgate mm. with the, the 27 quail that you harvested <laughs> no. today or the, you know, you went to the preserve and you got 97 quail mm-hmm. on the back of the tailgate. You know, it's about... You know, we are wild bird hunters, you know. Not saying there's anything wrong with preserves. They're great for getting people into it, and they're great for people who maybe can't go out and walk 10 or 15 miles. But I think you guys hunted on another day or two and then drove mm-hmm. into Yeah, two two or three more days uh, and then headed over to South Dakota. But after that first grouse, he, Onyx, he didn't, he didn't maintain where he was. So everything that he smelled or he pointed then, he busted. Yeah, he I mean, ran through, and that's the excitement. The young, young dogs. Right. I mean, he's never seen these birds before, so I think the excitement of a wild bird kind of got to him. But yeah, and that's where which you is know, fine. Us as young trainers, I mean, that's your first bird dog. Mm-hmm. You know, I think now you probably would do something different. You know, with Ash, mm-hmm. you'd do it a little differently. But you know, that's part of the learning process that we had to figure out. Um, but from there, we both met up in South Dakota, mm-hmm. um, Northeast South Dakota. Um, after pheasant really uh, was our main thing. Uh, we hunted sharp tails for a day, um, or at least we, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan didn't didn't go with us that day. He had something else he had planned. Um, but yeah, I mean, we hunted South Dakota. Um, you know, we we went to South Dakota thinking that, and not this is nothing against South Dakota. Um, I'm sure it was just location, location, and us not knowing what we were doing, but. You know, we, we harvested some birds. We had some, some points and things of that nature, but uh, South Dakota kicked our butts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did. There's no beating around the bush or anything. South Dakota kicked our butts. Uh, it was a great learning experience. Um, and at some point, we'll go back uh, for revenge, but not necessarily to kill 50 birds, but just to go back to get our dogs that experience of going back. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then... We, uh, see, I know that Onyx pointed a couple of birds there and mm-hmm. you harvested a couple of pheasant over him. Um, they, Teddy, I know that Teddy, uh, at this point we've got all of our dogs that we had in the kennel or that we have currently, except for Timber with us. Um, I know that Teddy pointed one or two roosters and I was able to get one over him. But other than that, I mean, South Dakota just, it was, it was tough, you know, drought conditions out there, early summer, uh, hail storms. I mean, the area at least we were in, it was just it was just a tough season rough. for us. Yeah. It, was, it was rough. I mean, like I said, it's not about harvesting a ton of birds, but 
providing that experience for the dogs. You yeah. you can't beat it came more, being able to move that many wild birds. Yeah, it it came more down to South Dakota was so frustrating for us for getting dogs on birds. Yeah, um, you know we were see, you know, in the golden hour, that last hour of sunset or that first hour where you can hunt. Um, you know, we see hundreds of birds, and they'd be cackling everywhere. But it was just getting the dogs in the right spots and that's us learning as yeah. handlers and hunters and trainers and everything you know um, but then we headed back here to to north carolina and i'll let you kind of start on what we what our quail season started like yeah quail quail for us this year it was almost a flip-flop from 20 to 21 so yeah so we found some new spots yeah found some new spots um and quail we kind of we figured out quail probably the first two weeks of January is when I would say we felt comfortable enough to where yeah, we can. I'd say a little earlier on in the season because, I mean, remember Christmas Day? Christmas Day we yeah. found. What, four three, cubbies? Three cubbies in an hour or in two hours. So somewhere around that end of December, start of January is where I think it really clicked for us. And a big thing about it is we were actually able to find the birds and we learned the habitat. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's a, That's 90% of it right there. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, if you're just walking in hardwood bottoms, and obviously it's different everywhere. I mean, we hunted it. I hunted in Georgia with Darrell, and we didn't find any birds in anything that we would have found birds in here. But we went along those hardwood bottoms and found, found birds. birds. Yeah. So it's different everywhere you go. But I think for quail in North Carolina, for us at least, you know, we were able to find a couple of honey holes mm-hmm. um, that we knew held birds every time, and you know. We were, I think we were very, well, I know we were very respectful, one, because sh- my shooting, especially, was terrible <laughs> this year. Um, you know, Jordan, you know, he, basically, our start of the quail season, we, we've had a spot we've picked out. Um, I remember that day, I was more excited. I was at work the day that he killed his first wild mm-hmm. quail, and I was just as excited as if I would have done it, you know, getting that text message and saying, hey, I, you know, Got a it. picture of a bob in his hand with, a, you know, with onyx on the ground. I mean, Which that was that was the first covey rise that I had seen, you know, where I could actually get a shot. But same kind of same kind of scenario. I walked through the covey. Um, Onyx was still young; he was out hunting, doing his thing, and I walked slam through the covey. And there was probably thirty birds in it. Scared scared me to death. Had no clue what was going on, but watched them pitch back down. Um, which normally. If we don't shoot anything, we we go chase singles. But if we shoot anything out of coveys, we generally leave them after that. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, if if the if you especially one if the covey wild flushes in front of you or the dog bumps them or whatever the case may be, you don't get a shot. Blah blah blah. You know, some other hunter's dog runs through the birds. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen on public land. But you know, I think we're we know how to be very respectful of the birds, and you know, we don't yeah. chase singles. We chase the covey rise. Right. Uh, if we we screw up or our dogs screw up, most of the time we leave that covey alone and we, we go find another spot. Mm-hmm. Um, unless we have a young dog, then we may go find that covey and try to get that covey up again or try to get a single up again for the dog right. but we don't and not shoot, shoot at it. But, yeah. you know, not saying we won't ever shoot at a bird. Obviously, you know, we still want to harvest birds. But, you know, I think we, we really learned this year what to look for, how to do it. Um, you know, I'll tell you that Last year, like or two years ago, we found two coveys of quail. Mm-hmm. One pointed and one wild flush covey in front of us. 
Um, as as a team this year, uh, here in North Carolina, we found 14 Coveys, I believe, is what what I had on my thing. Mm-hmm. Pointed Coveys. Yeah, and this, you know, that was, to me, you know, that may not sound like a lot to some of you people from the Midwest and things like that, but, you know, we hunted, I think we had one day we didn't find a Covey of birds. And that was opening, opening day. Opening day. And, you know, for, for us here in North Carolina, if we can average a Covey a day, or even I think we average just over a Covey a day, mm-hmm. um, like in the 1. days 3. we hunted, we, you know, I think we hunted 12 days quail, you know, with, with our jobs and things of that nature. It's hard for us to get the same days off and be able to do it. So we didn't get to hunt as much as we normally would together. That may be the way that we go moving forward. But, um, you know, I think as a team, we continued to grow as the quail season went. And, uh, you know, we had a day where I think the best day was Christmas Day, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. We found uh, three coveys of birds in about three hours before I had to get back home to the wife and and do some things for for family and things of that nature but and uh just a quick you know we did woodcock hunt woodcock you know i'm not scared to say it woodcock kind of kicked our butt this year um not saying we didn't find any uh, we had a couple of days where we found 10 10 birds but um you know they uh they were tough it was rough. we found more birds in the last three weeks of last season than we did the entire season this year um, definitely harvested i only shot one one woodcock this year in north carolina and i shot two and I shot my only quail in North Carolina this year was the last day. You know, you know, we found all these birds, but uh, you know, those birds are still there as long as you know other hunters aren't taking them out, which I don't think that they are. But so uh, that's kind of a wrap of our last two seasons and what what has gotten into what's gotten us into bird hunting and our kind of start into this journey. I guess the last trip that one of us would have taken is I went down to South Georgia to hunt Poe Clan with Darrell Smith of the Sporting Life uh, Notebook. And, um, you know, that was something I always remember. You know, we had a, we had a great day. We found two coveys and I think three singles or something like that. Uh, but Darrell, he's just a great guy. He's a guy that I look up to. And I think we do as, a, as an entire team we mm-hmm. do, but, um, you know, just the way he does things, the way he goes about not only just bird dogs and and quail hunting, but the way he's trying to bring back history and the way he's trying to bring people into the outdoors, you know, with his minority outdoor alliance and the things of that nature. But um, he's a guy that I really lean on and I talk to as much as I can. You know, obviously he's a busy guy, and, but you know, there's some there's some things coming for us uh, in the future. Like I said, we've started to take in uh, a couple of training dogs here and there. You know not going to tell you we're the world's best trainers by no means we've got a long way to go on that but i think we're starting to develop our own methods of training you know and i think jordan's is a little different than mine i think um, but i think we complement each other with Mm -hmm. that um and i think you know we just sent our first client dog home two two weeks ago yeah maybe a little less 10 days maybe yeah 10 days ago and i think you know that dog when we got him again this is not the tutor horn or anything but you know it was something for us as trainers that we needed to see, you know, we needed mm-hmm. to work with somebody else's dog. And I think, you know, when we got that dog, that dog basically flashpoint and then bust a bird, flashpoint, mm-hmm. bust a bird, flashpoint, bust a bird. And by the end of it, he was standing steady to, sh- to wing and pretty daggone close to steady to shot and in, in, in a month's time frame. Um, so I think we did a lot there. And I think uh, the gentleman was really happy with where he was. So, I mean, I think that's something we're going to continue to do. Um, like I said, we'll hopefully start to, to 
we're going to put together some guided guided hunt packages mm-hmm. here in North Carolina and hopefully expand to, to Georgia in the future. But you know, for this season, definitely I mean North Carolina and then Georgia in the future. But um, I mean, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out. I guess we can go into a little bit of our dogs real quick before the season for us. Uh, so for me, for Onyx, um, I want him as close to broke, if not broke, um, before guiding season starts up. I know a lot of people probably don't like having broke dogs, um, especially uh, like guiding people. But for me, it's a safety standpoint. Um, I want to make sure that my dog is safe um, in case any anybody gets a little too excited and starts wild shooting. And when you say broke, what do you mean? Just so that, you know, because everybody's different. Everybody's right. definition is a little bit different. Um, right. As, as long as he's steady to wing and shot, I think I'll be okay. I would like to get him wing shot and fall. Um, I'm not going to start a sports. So basically you, re- you released a dog to, right. to fetch the bird. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to start his force fetching yet. Um, it just depends on how quick that he, he progresses. Um, he's about 18 months old he's now. yeah about a year and a half um so we'll kind of see how how we are with him um i think for ash not that she's going to be a god dog i don't think um no, she'll but be a hun- you never know that she'll be a hunting dog to start you know our personal hunting dogs you know, I, I would say if she's steady to steady the wing we should be okay yeah. with her um, know, our goals for her are to not to take over sorry but um is to, for her, she's just over four months or four months old mm-hmm. this coming week or whatever. Um, our goals for her are to get her NA tested in NABDA. Mm-hmm. That's something we, we as a team are going to start to dabble in, whether we, we'll see what dog does what, but you know, NA test her and then uh, start her AKC junior hunter. Yeah, and I got to get Onyx's last two legs a junior. Um, hopefully in the fall on this start probably do master in the spring i don't know if i'm gonna do very much testing before yeah it's tough for us with, with work and yeah things i don't have time um and then howard probably same deal with howard um i mean he points and holds everything so i just got to get him to uh to shot and fall yeah i mean um, funny story with howard i'll never forget it <laughs> howard is a dog if a leaf moves he will point it um and that's not a knock on howard he's a he's a good hunting dog close range in Gordon Setter. He's your, to me, I haven't hunted with any other Gordon Setters, but he's your prototypical Gordon Setter. He's a close working dog. He's, a, to me, he's a grouse and a woodcock dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why you got him. Yeah. Because of your passion for those birds. But um, he, uh, I'll never forget it. We were, we had him and Ann, uh, my female pointer on the ground. And Ann is a, I can't thank Darrell enough for getting rid of her. <laughs> um, she has been awesome. She is a fully broke dog. Um, she is steady to wing shot and fall. Um, and when she points, there's a bird there. There's a bird on that nose. If there's not, it was old scent, and she'll point it for a couple of seconds, and she'll leave it. But if she points and stands there, you best get ready. Hang on. <laughs> Something's about to happen. But anyway, uh, never forget, we had those two dogs on the ground. That's when uh, Steve was with us there. No, we had um, Solomon, with Solomon. Us, a young yeah. guy who works with us who had never been bird hunting. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had hunted this area. And we were actually kind of working back towards the truck. And uh, I actually worked past the truck. And, uh, you 
know, to an area we hadn't really hunted before. And uh, Howard's 20 yards in front of me, maybe. Walks, walks, walking around, hunting around. You know, like I said, he's been on the ground probably 45 minutes at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, we made a decent little loop, probably a couple mile loop. And he locks on point. And I'm not paying attention to, to Howard because I've it's got Ann on the ground. And well, not just because it's Howard, but I've got Ann on the ground. And we're close enough to a to a road that mm. Ann decided to to get out on the road and run down the road. All this is happening. I'm trying to get Ann off the road. I'm calling her down. She finally comes off the road, and I'm watching her. And Howard's. I watch Howard go on point. I mean, I remember it. I watched him go on point. I just, I, I mean, I blew it off my mind. Uh, that's just Howard being Howard. And I watched Ann come off this road, and she's probably 75 yards from me, and she locks up on point. And at that time, I'm got, I've closed in on Howard because I've not stopped walking. I'm five to ten yards from Howard. And I'll never forget because you looked over at me, and you said, you might want to check Howard. And I I think I even said to you, it's just Howard. Like, mm-hmm. he ain't. Yeah, he's he just being Howard. <laughs> like, I'm going to Ann. There's birds in front of Ann. And about that time, I got right up even with Howard, and five to eight birds got up in front of Howard and scared the bejesus out of me and being excited. I shot twice, and about that time, 10 or 15 more birds got up in front of Ann, who was at that point probably 50 yards to my right. Um, and that was one of the coolest coolest experiences I've had, even mm-hmm. though it was my fault not paying any attention to what was going on. but. You know, that's, I guess that goes back to the old adage, you know, trust your bird dog. Yeah. Um, whether or not he always can be trusted or not, that's a different story. But, you know, at that point it was trust your bird dog. Which um, was another lesson. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learned pretty much every time we went hunting, we learned something. Yeah. And I mean, you should, um, whether you've been doing it for 20 years or you've been doing it for 20 days, uh, you should always learn something. Um, but I guess, I guess that's your, your goals with your dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, to go into mine, uh, i got Teddy again, my three-and-a-half-year-old. He's a junior hunter. Um, my goal for him, he is almost, I'm not going to say he's broke dog, but he's pretty freaking close. Um, continue to work with him on that and uh, to start his AKC Master Hunter. And then uh, I don't know if we'll do it this spring because of everything that's involved, or in the fall because of everything that's involved, or probably do it in the spring. Uh, it's get him ready for for a ut test because my goal for him is to be a master hunter utility dog um, he's got the potential um, he's a great wild bird dog um, i think he's he's close uh, he's, he's a little test smart and a little training smart but uh <laughs> you know that's that's one thing that's fun for me to try to figure out how to outsmart him when it comes to training um, so that'll be for him timber my other short hair female seven months old uh Goal for her is just AKC, get all her intros done, uh, which, I mean, she's not saying I'd hunt her over. I'd hunt over her tomorrow, but I would take her hunting tomorrow if mm-hmm. hunting season started. I'm um, not sure if I'd shoot any birds over her, but I would, you know, I'd cap gun it or whatever just to get her bird get her bird exposure back up. And then with Ann, you know, it's just to keep working her, make sure she stays honest, stays broke. Um, I don't think I'm going to dabble into any retrieving work with her you know pointers can retrieve there's i've seen Darrell's dogs do it i've seen other people's dogs do it uh, it just boils down to what you want out of your dog um, with her i don't care if she retrieves um, she'll go over and pick a bird up for me and bring it maybe 
within five or ten feet. And I know that can be a problem out west, but here in North Carolina, I'm not worried about it. Uh, if she'll go get the bird pointed. I'll uh, I'll figure out the rest. Uh, and then with Queso, my male pointer, um, his goal is just to get to work him steady the shot and fall. Um, he's young in his process. He's just turned 14 months old and I started to uh, I really started to hunt him a lot in the mm -hmm. last couple of weeks of the season last month or so of the season hunted him alone a lot um, you know days where Jordan couldn't go and I could only go I'd take you know my two pointers with me and Teddy but um, mainly focusing on queso getting getting his bird exposure up uh, he had his first wild covey point this year um, you know he didn't he didn't get to hunt in South Dakota that's a whole nother story but one that we won't involve here he was with the guy out there and had some issues but anyway um so he's gonna go this summer he is gonna go to uh here in about a month and a half he's gonna go to uh all over four english setters uh out of wisconsin he's gonna go up there and train on uh wild sharp tails and things like that while we can't run on birds here so i'll be excited to see i think he's a dog that has the sky is the limit for him mm -hmm. um he is a big running horseback field trial dog um you know that you know not that numbers matter when it comes to how your dog is out there hunting you know it doesn't matter if your dog hunts it 50 yards or if your dog hunts it 500 yards it's all if, if the dog doesn't handle birds it doesn't handle birds um mm -hmm. but you know he he's a big running dog he's a i don't know he's i'm gonna guess he's gonna be about a 400 yard dog you know, which we've got a we've got a huge range of dogs. Um, you know, we got a dog like Howard that's a probably a fifty yard dog, mm -hmm. and then we've got Queso who's going to be a five hundred yard dog. He might be, um, you know. Uh, and then, but I mean, he you know, as long as I can continue to grow his handles, which he started to come into his own the last part of the season, uh, as long as he continues to handle and, and does everything he should, then. I don't care if he points a bird at 300 yards or if he points a bird at 30 yards, as long as he'll stay there until I get there. Uh, whether the bird stays there or not, that's as long as the dog doesn't do anything to make that bird leave. If the bird wild flushes, then the bird wild flushes. You know, that, that's hunting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean that's 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 my goals for my dogs. Um, you know, I think like we've said is you know we just want to expose our dogs as many much things as we can. You know, in future episodes, we'll we'll talk about, you know, we'll try to get some people on from all over the country and, you know, what they're doing, what what we're doing, you know, people that we look up to and people that, you know, some of it will give you some product reviews on things, you know. Speaking of that, I guess, let's, what's, the, what's the biggest product or something that we've done in the last six or eight months that you've seen the biggest change in dogs or whether it's food whether it's collars whether it's training whatever uh i would honestly say food i know we didn't get to run it a whole lot during hunting season but coming off of hunting season and watching how quick especially quesos he put his weight back on in like what 10 days yeah i mean he's something a, like that he's a dog that he's high strung in the kennel he's always running around He's high strung when he hunts. I mean, he's a dog that I've always struggled to put weight on. You know, there was, as you know, there was a time right. early on in our quail season. Once we got back to South Dakota, I couldn't hunt him for the first month. Mm -hmm. He was too I mean, skinny. He was tiny. 
He was way too skinny. But and it looked, wasn't – I don't think it was necessarily that we didn't feed him good food because I think we were feeding him good food. But we weren't feeding him the right food for him. Right. You know, it wasn't, I think this, this new stuff that we have, and even if we go up a step, he could put on – he could be a big – he could be 80 pounds. Yeah, and he's a – you know, it's not necessarily that he has to be 80 or 85 pounds or whatever, but he's got to be – in shape he's got to be able to maintain that muscle throughout the hunting season and not something that two weeks into the hunting season i look at him and go holy cow yeah i can't hunt this dog anymore i've got to wait two or three weeks and put weight back on you know that's something. Yeah. and the food we've switched to is inukshuk yeah however you however it, the, inukshuk every, the one everybody's going to it seems like uh the canadian yeah, the canadian Cana- canadian like based mushroom food, food or something like that uh, yeah they, they made their their big steps with uh the sled dogs. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where they made their mark. But anyway, um, I think that food is—it's done a lot for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cut down the number of the amount of food that we had to feed dogs, and it's kept weight on them. And I think it's something that'll be big for me. I think the biggest thing is just learning, learning that wild birds make bird dogs. You know. Oh yeah. We've seen some of our buddies that have started to get into it put out so many pin raised birds for their dogs and then by the time they get to wild birds they don't know what to do they crowd birds birds fly off i mean you never get to shoot at them but you know wild birds make birds bird dogs you know when you Mm -hmm. can run on a wild bird run it on a wild bird you know there's there's no reason not to um yeah it's a lot more work it's a lot easier to go out there and get that quail out of a pen and put it out in the backyard or in the field across the road or whatever (laughs) But it teaches more. Mm-hmm. It teaches a whole lot more, especially, which is kind of a especially downfall. Especially young dogs. From, right. And kind of a downfall from from South Dakota with not getting the bird exposure. You know, if your dog can point pheasant, I feel like it should if be able to point, point about anything. Tra- yeah, if your dog can point and track the running pheasant, and point and track, and point and track, and right. point and track, and point Without and track, ever and bumping then, the bird. And then eventually pin that bird to where you can get a shot at it. Right. Then you've got a pretty daggone little bird dog. Or grouse. Yeah, you know. grouse will do it too. Quail will do it. Quail, We've seen them run down here too. Quail will run, but um, I think. But a pin raised bird never does that. I mean, I know most of the time they're in the traps or whatever. Yeah, they run out in the wild up and look at that hawk and say, "Hey, buddy, what are you doing?" <laughs> here I am. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I would say that the wild bird learning where to go that that has taught us a lot, especially with the young dogs. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how how queso comes back. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for the direction we're going. Um, we're going to try to put out a podcast every week for mm-hmm. everybody, um, from different topics. Like I said, hopefully um, we'll get some people on here that know a lot more than we do, and we can learn from them. And hopefully everybody can learn from them. And uh, maybe we'll do some product reviews with some companies and and things of that nature. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's who we are. Uh, with Chasing Coveys. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, my Instagram is Chasing Coveys. Um, Jordan's is uh, what's uh, Jojo underscore N underscore Onyx. Um, uh, any questions or recommendations with training or not to say that we're professionals, but we have a decent idea of what we're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're you know, if you want to get together and train dogs, you know, mm-hmm. you think you can help us or you want to just run dogs and you think, hey, these guys can help us, we're more than happy to do it. Um, you know, we've got 
training facility here at the kennel. And then we also got, uh, we're members of, uh, of a pointing breeds club that has all the, all the bird dog stuff you could ever need. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, our, I guess our biggest thing is, uh, that I would leave, leave everybody with is just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not going to happen sitting on the couch. It's not going to happen if you sleep in or you go out and party too much on Friday night and you don't go out on Saturday morning cause you don't feel good or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, just go out there and do it. You know, it's finding wild birds in wild places. Get some good boots. That's all I can say. Yeah, <laughs> especially boots, down here <laughs> good boots a good vest you know a dog that'll that'll work with you that's a big thing you know make sure that dog knows it's part of the team not just out there by itself so, alright guys that's uh, episode one if you got any feedback obviously you know we'll see what this sounds like and hopefully get it out soon but um, if you guys have any comments concerns questions anything let us know look forward to seeing everybody